morning, people of the internet. You are listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Hugh David. And I'm Deb Sodica. And today we are talking about minute 23 of the movie, uh, where uh, Martin Blank has gone home. Joining us on today's show, our guest is renowned movie by minute podcast host Darren Husted. Darren, how are you? I mean, I don't. I renowned is, I think, overselling it a little <laughs> bit. I mean, amateur is probably prolific. prolific. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the, the funny thing is, there were some people, there were some guys who, uh, you know, did the, um, they did the Shaun of the Dead trilogy and they did the Spider Man trilogy. Yep. So I think they've done more films than me. Um, but yeah, you know, I was in there early. Um, and not only did I do the third ever um, Movies by Minutes podcast, but I did the fourth ever Movies by Minutes podcast, um, which was uh, about the film The Boy Next Door, the uh, Jennifer Lopez uh, thriller um, uh, about the boy next door that she has sex with, and then it ruins. <laughs> it's like Fatal Attraction, but imagine that Glenn Close is a 24-year-old man who's pretending to be 19. He's not pretending to be 19 in the film. He's just played by an actor who noticeably does not look like a teenager. <laughs> so, you know, his character is not a middle-aged man pretending to be a teenager. That's just the, that's just the casting choice they made. Um... <laughs> okay, I might have to watch that as well as listen to that. Um, Okay, so on today's minute, Dev, where are we in the film? Minute 23, what's happening? Tell the audience, please. So Martin Blank has uh, gone into the Ultima that he uh, saw and struggled to believe the reality of in uh, minute 22, but he's entered it inside, has a um, conversation with the shop clerk that if I were that shop clerk, I'd be handing in my notice right about now. and uh, decides that what he really needs to do now is speak to his therapist. Uh, unfortunately, as we know, his relationship with his therapist is not the best, and and that call doesn't get taken. Yeah, I mean, this I like aside from the music, you know, that I think is still playing, but it's you know not as noticeable in this minute. Um, just this interaction with this clerk is just one of my favorite things in the entire film, where he's just like. Why, like, why are you here? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? But like, just over and over, and the the kids like, this is my shift, and like, he's just his complete confusion. Um, and you know, as we've said, uh, John Cusack is a very tall man. So if someone who's like that tall and intimidating, like you say, just kept asking me over and over again <laughs> what I'm doing here, uh, you know, it would where be... do you live? Yeah, where does your boss live? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. That would be the point in which I would quit. Um, but I do love that yeah. they they sell that it's in um, Detroit by having him wear a Detroit Red Wings cap. Like I yeah. just I love when films like they don't make a huge amount to like of effort to sell that it's in a particular location. But it's like just stick a Red Wings cap on him, people will believe it's in Detroit. Then everybody in Detroit wears Red Wings caps. It's like I'm I personally I think that like maybe the Tigers are a bit more well known as like a like the hockey team is a weird place like. I think the baseball team is, or even the Lions. Like, there's there's at least two yeah. more sports teams in that area that are more well known. Yeah, so I like the choice that they went with, like, of, of like the third most well known, like, team <laughs> in Detroit to sell it. It gives it some authenticity. I I believe that kid would be a fan of hockey. It, like, gives it a bit of authenticity that that's the hat he chooses. 
um, to sell that it's in Detroit. But yeah, no, I just loved like this is John Cusack finally kind of starting to like act in this film, like really like just the kind of and also this repetition thing will become something that obviously he does a lot more as the film goes on. But I like that this is kind of like a small a small start to it of like his confusion and just like he doesn't he doesn't know what this kid is doing. I think it's funny because obviously he's already entered the Ultimart. So he knows what the kid's doing there. But I just like that he's like, you know, this this used to be probably, you know, the living room or whatever. Like, he, he's he's trying to orientate himself as to exactly what used to be in this space. Um, it's just, yeah, uh, and, you know. and this is this is a guy that does deep background on, on his subjects, right? Like, he talks about the sleep profiles of one of his targets. He's, you know, methodical. He needs his usual lead time on things. And yet he comes into this ultimate asking the least well-constructed questions to a kid that's obviously not going to have any answers because he's just apparently so completely thrown by the lack of his his family home. Yeah, it's just and I, who's the who's the actor that's playing this kid as well? I don't think I even looked that up because I was just like. You know, obviously, that is a um, great question. Let's completely. Ultimate yeah. Carl, Carl Duffy Taylor. Yeah, because he does like I don't know that I've ever seen him. He's in, his... in Paul. He's in oh. the Holiday. Oh. Um, Never seen the Holiday, so uh, can't really say. Arrested Development, eleven oh, episodes. As... I did. I did a whole podcast about Arrested Development. How did I never? <laughs> To be fair, he is uncredited, but he's the key assistant location manager. Oh, well, there you I go. was about to say he's a location manager primarily. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, okay. And then he's done. He's done three performances. Oh, you're right. I mean, I, I you know, I went right. in depth on Arrested Development in my podcast. I didn't go into the the, the crew yeah, on every single yeah. episode, aside yeah. from the writers and directors. So, yeah. I yeah. am guessing from the look of it that he basically steps in when they need somebody to do certain things. You know, like, oh, we, yep. we haven't got anyone today to do this. Could you just do this? Because he's got like a single role two years later in Desperate but Not Serious. And then he's got a role a year later in Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, as, quote, restaurant trainee. But oh, everything okay. else is location yep. management. So, yeah, one of those guys. But fair dues, you know? Last minute extra. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He does, he does a good performance. You know, his his kind yeah, of like so. his, his being intimidated by you know John Cusack as he gets gradually more and more unhinged. You know, he matches his yeah. energy. He's kind of just his confusion yeah. matches the confusion <laughs> that uh, you know Martin Blank is feeling at this particular moment. So you know, yeah. he does, he does okay. And and not to spoil anything, but later on, I, I really do believe that he's playing that Doom Two video game. And and and. <laughs> That was the, actually that was the other thing I wanted to bring up was like the the Doom Two cabinet. I was like, oh, you know, I I don't know if Doom Two ever was a. I was about to ask that. Yeah, yeah. was it ever actually a cabinet game? I don't think was it. I, I mean, I know who I should ask, but she's downstairs. So I can't. Because <laughs> <go now. laughs> uh, I, I thought it was just like it's, it was just like a, a, a like a PC game. Like I've never. Yeah. Exactly. And then obviously it would have been ported to a bunch of, you know, other yeah. things later on. But, else. You know, the and whole point the, the whole point of days. Doom was that it, it it was the thing that PC gamers back in like the you know, the early nineties, that was like the selling point, wasn't it? It was like, oh, you know, yeah. You can't do this yeah. on like a Sega or a Nintendo, like it's just they haven't got the they haven't got the power. 
1994 it came out because I seen I remember spending two previous years down the rabbit hole of Doom One. Um, yeah, it yeah. was it was made specifically for the film. That's and I crazy. think it may have been like an an ID cross promotion thing. Oh, it must have been ID surely. Soft. Come on, like who? How else would it get in there? That's just so cool. Though. that's just like the one time it exists in this (laughs) one movie like this is the alternate reality where you got to get doom as a cabinet game damn it why are we not (laughs) that's why it stood out i I saw it and i was like i don't think that was ever an act like around this time you would have had like street fighter 3 or like that would have been Mm -hmm. like a bigger game so i was just like why is why is that sticking in my head why am i seeing that being like this that seems weird (laughs) And now the the answer is because it only exists. Um, well, I mean, FPS is not a particularly common uh, arcade game type, right? No, so, unless you're like time, no, unless you're playing like Time Crisis or something. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure, any like those, the, the, or, the, yeah, the, yeah, the fake that's like, ones, like on that's rails. It. Basically, the that's the ones, one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, but it, um, in that case, you have to have it on rails, so it's like a whole. It's not the same experience, isn't it? Precisely. Like, Doom, yeah, Doom, Doom isn't on rails, so it doesn't make any sense why that yeah. would be a cabinet game. No, um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, I wish more films but, would do that. Like, have really weird game cabinets of games that never were in those cabinets. Just like, you know, just that would be cool, actually. Yeah, just like you see it in the background, and you're probably thinking to yourself, I, I don't, I don't recall them ever. And then you know, Final yeah. Fantasy VII, the arcade machine. <laughs> yeah, Kim would go nuts at that point. You know that, right? <laughs> she would just fifty freak. hours. My, partner, my partner's trying. a massive gamer, Darren. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so according to Doom Wiki, because of course there's a Doom Wiki, <laughs> uh, a Doom Two arcade machine was created prominently in the 1997 comedy film Gross Point Bike. However, there has never been an actual arcade version of Doom. The game feature there was a custom prop built specifically for the movie it is rumored that the same or similar prop then appeared in an episode of seinfeld but there is currently no corroborating evidence for this the idea of a doom arcade machine should not be confused with ethan guberman watson's project doom arcade (laughs) whatever i mean i would would never confuse those two things so um there you go and don't make fun of wikis. When I was doing the Arrested Development um, like podcast, oh, no, I'm not that was I love that was yeah, that was that was really handy because they had like links to the full scripts for every single episode. So I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Of course, yeah. Why didn't well, I yeah. to go there first? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the earliest video, you know, big video games. I would think, you know, it makes sense that the you know wiki would exist. Exactly. Um, I should have just yeah. thought to go there first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should also say I was being a little harsh on Duffy Taylor. I, I, the the sequence uh, after the uh, the untimely demise of the Ultimate, uh, I think actually he was he was very good in and and the the dialogue here like it, it is a shame that he's not had the opportunity to be in in more things as a, a, actually in front of this camera. Well, he's he's been nominated and won awards for his location management work. So hey. You know, I guess uh, he's he's in his chosen field. Um, but I mean, do you guys, you were, um, Darren, you were, and, and Debbie, you've both been talking earlier about the way uh, Cusack plays Martin Blanks, you know, his his locational disorientation. Right? We we had his yep. mental disorientation in the previous minute, and then his physical response to that, particularly when he runs and practically hops over. 
the curb and run through the car park to the store, which literally takes us up to the exact point where we ended our last minute, um, which is, as you said, Dev, so un-American <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, but here, that disorientation, I find, is emphasised by the actual shop because not only did you say last episode Dev, that there wouldn't normally be a shop in this location in America because of planning, but I'm not sure. I like I've yeah. I mean, if you, when I've been in the states, I've been in a number of bodegas and you know, marts and stuff. And then obviously over here, as Darren was saying, we have you know our legendary corner shops, um, and we have all kinds of shops over here. And that since that fifth, they find themselves sort of tucking into little spaces. And I'm not sure I've ever seen like like this feels like a a, a deli- like not just not just a fantasy of one like the whole off brand. You know, nothing is quite how it is. That that Doom Two cabinet is just part of this set, this sort of fictional unreality, right? I mean, this is about as real as 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 the one in The Simpsons. You know, you <laughs> I know? think it's less real than the one in The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Quickie Mart, Quickie Mart is very definitely. This is clearly Seven Eleven, but we're not calling it Seven Eleven. Yes, and this one, it looks like a set. It's probably the only thing in this film that really just screams set. Yeah. Uh, you know, in I think in a real uh, convenience store of this size, you'd have like posters or branding all over the walls of products, yeah. et cetera, instead of blank white walls. Like that's yeah. that's real estate there that you could be making money off as a, as a convenience yeah. store owner, right? Like you could put promotional yeah. stuff up there. Um, it it looks like it the the video store is like kind of connected but not the the video rental that's next door you can see the door yeah. through there. Um, yeah. There's some stuff that seems super like like uh, super familiar to me right like having all of the cigarettes above uh, the head like overhead and there'll mm-hmm. clearly be a, a display of of the different brands that are available. Um, the counter itself actually looks really legit. But yeah, then the no, aisles stuff are just like too manicured. The magazines are just in the weirdest place ever. Like yeah. the magazines are always against the back wall. But yeah. then again, it has like, you know, the slushy machine and the coffee machine and the minute yeah. made. And, yeah, I guess. Like, it's it's all of the legitimate fixings, but somehow like the implementation just hasn't worked very well. Also, like every shelf is fully stocked. Like I don't care yeah. <laughs> how recently they last did stock take, but that is never, never, never how a convenience store looks in in reality. I mean, yeah. let's. Uh, I don't know that those shelves are fully stocked. I think maybe uh, that kid in between being questioned by hitmen is probably moving around and grabbing some stuff and pushing it to the front of the shelf just to make it look a bit fully stocked. Um, that is that is the most diligent convenience store shop clerk I've ever heard of. I mean, yeah. have you seen clerks? Have you seen what they uh, generally well, that do? That was the thing, right? That's the other thing, though, right? We've talked about you know things in the water, creatively speaking, when it comes yeah. to American film and TV at this time, right? And uh, about, in relation to hitmen and you know other t- psychiatrists, we've talked about those in previous episodes. But of course. The whole Mart, the whole Quickie Mart, Ultimart thing is also another thing. Like right? you can go through most of the eighties without ever seeing one of these in a film, unless it's an action film near the beginning, where you have to see the entire place completely destroyed to show how badass the hero is, and that's it. 
right? You won't actually see one in a film. Like, you won't have a drama about the characters in them. And it's only in the 90s where you actually get people who've actually done that for a living, i.e. Kevin Smith and his friends, you know, yeah. who start making the films. But then this happens, and The Simpsons happens, and uh, uh, what's, the, what's, um, what's the Gen X one with Janine Garofalo and um, Winona Ryder? And, oh, Reality Bites. That's it. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, do you know what I mean? Just suddenly it's everywhere, right? And I can't work out if that's just because it's that's a cultural thing and they were literally becoming everywhere uh, as opposed to because malls were done, malls were there. So now it's like, this is the next thing that happens to people who can't go to the mall. Uh, or whether it's just, I don't know, maybe writers are spending more time with them. <laughs> I mean, in reality, bites, they, you know, they, they only really just uh, dance to my Sharona and annoy the clerk by turning the music up super loud. So... <laughs> True, but, you know, true. but st- yeah, but you know, then then you know, the knack re-released My Sharona with that part of the film in the music video. So, you know, yeah. clearly there was a yeah. there's a thing there. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I do it's enjoy Reality weird. Bites. It is like a, an extremely oh, film. It, well, yeah. I mean, some people don't like it because it's the irony is it is a thing shaped like a thing. Like the the plot is yeah. Ben Stiller is trying to make a fake film or a fake program mm. that connects with Gen, like with Gen Xers. And then you literally have a film that is doing the exact same thing of being like super yeah, artificial yeah. connecting with Gen yeah. Xers. So, you know, but, but you know, it's got, it's got, it's got, it's hard in the right place. And it's, it's actually, got, and it's got a great cast, you know? Yeah. And it's got, you know, it's got Janine Garofalo who, who wasn't well, in I'll love with Janine Garofalo in 1994. Come on. I mean, well, yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you on that, but Hey, I've met people who have no idea who she is. So these days, so, you know, I've lived long enough to see her career <laughs> to 24 and back again. I, I mean, so. clearly they, they never found out the truth about cats or dogs, did they? So I love that film. Such a good film. Honestly, Dev, if we're going to like, if we're going to do more of these, <laughs> I, I, I do that because between the cast and the directors and the soundtrack, I know we can get this much out of it. Um, yeah, just I love that film. It's it's a lovely, sweet, clever, interesting, slightly acerbic take on the rom com, uh, without actually having people have to pull guns and stuff. You know, um, I'm just I'm just I'm I'm struck by the branding in here. By the way, Fuji Film, man, I remember that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean. Wow. The uh, the fact that there's a video rental next door as well, right? Mm. Yeah, like, mum and pop stores. Mm. I mean, there's there's some stuff to talk about tomorrow in terms of like you know the branding, um, yep. and stuff that we see in the fridges. But yeah, it is a weird setup though. Like you say, I mean, you know, if you've ever been to a bodega, you cannot move in those places for shelves filled no. with stuff and. You know, the the aisles yeah. are basically like a person and a quarter. Like, you can barely move around in them <laughs> for the amount of... Yeah. This seems very spacious. Like you say, it's, it's, it, it strikes that it is probably on the set. Um, and obviously, you know, this is this is really the first time we're seeing Martin Blank in, like, you know, the light. Like, you know, he's in a, mm. a, a store with a bunch of fluorescent lights, like, shining on him. It, you know, a place that he was expecting to be warm and inviting. And here he is just in the harsh daylight. Um, you know, and I'm sure someone out the back has thrown some extremely bright key lights around the sides of the studio to make it look a bit more like it's daylight out there. But you know, he actually he actually is literally the darkest thing in the room. Yeah, yeah. he 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 yeah. like he looks like a head floating on nothingness. It's kind of it's it's amazing how like how dark he is, like literally and figuratively in this particular moment. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so uh, I think we are almost done with this minute. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else we can get out of it, but you know, all I, watching him stalk around there, all I can say is, yep, yeah, you are absolutely right about his height and everything. And I think I, we should. The one Dave, last thing I'd say is, I please. I absolutely love the way that he ends the conversation with the shop clerk. Like, what's done is done. Let's just move on. It's like. <laughs> There's this, as if there's this ongoing relationship between the two of these people. Like... He suddenly bonded very quickly with this person because you know, and all yeah. this guy's done is say no to him in I mean, multiple ways. He's you know he's a working man and he recognizes you know another working man and he feels that they've they've got a bond. That's true. You know, like that, and he's, it, there is a bit of that. Yeah, you know, he understands that this this person standing behind the counter that probably used to be, you know, his kitchen. You know, he's just there doing a job, and that's all that Martin Blank is in town to do is he's there to do a job. So you know, he recognizes the working man. But it does take him. A, it does take him a very interesting conversation. Where do it, you uh, live? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Where does your manager live? <laughs> Also, considering we've just been listening to "Live and Let Die," uh, and in case, in my case, having got this these last two minutes on on repeat uh, quite a few times now, uh, it's so different to I feel like the way in which James Bond, either Sean Connery or Roger Moore, would have approached this entire situation. Were they in it? There's there's this juxtaposition where it's clear that like Martin Blank is kind of posited as this Bond-like character mm. and yet whilst he has the the skills the technical skills mm-hmm. he lacks those soft skills oh yeah, yeah yeah well I mean there's a reason why Bond doesn't come from Detroit <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how far you can get with a British accent in America yeah. <laughs> it is <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it would have been funny if, to, like, if you imagine like Pierce Brosnan in this situation, like he, you know, oh. it would have been a complete, you know, turning up to like this this convenience store and just saying to this guy, you know, where do you live? Like, it, I mean, the thing is, if it was Pierce Brosnan, different. yeah, but I mean, given what giving Remington Steele, I can kind of see them, you know, if if it was him, it would be all charm and. Uh, you know, asking about a particular drink, and if they didn't have it, he'd settle for something very, uh, you know, low key and not really what he wants because it's polite to buy something while you're there. But uh, if it was, yeah, I, I know what you're getting at. It's just even in the even in like Bond films, Bond almost never goes into a <laughs> mart or a bodega, right? Or at least <laughs> not mean, on foot. I mean, who's going to serve him? He does. I mean, no, no, he, he could just drive through one. Well. <laughs> The thing with James Bond is he does spend all his time announcing his real name to people all the time, so That's he's not the subtlest. He's not the subtlest of. But the thing is that that is such a yeah. Well, we're not doing a Bond podcast. I can go into that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we'll we'll yeah. I mean that the, the, there is a slight gag about that here with with Martin having his fake identity, but of course everybody knows who he is in the town. <laughs> you know. Um, so they they do actually kind of play with that a little bit here, uh, right? So shall we use the next minute to talk about the thing Oatman. that starts at the very end of this one? Yeah, Oatman. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, do it. So okay. this was minute twenty three of the Gross Point Blank podcast, uh, Debbie Radio seventy nine point five FM, featuring your host, co writers, and co producers, myself, Deb Sodiger, and my friend Hugh David. 
uh, today's guest was Darren Houston. Darren, where can people find you online? Uh, if you put my name, which is spelt uh, H-U-S-T-E-D, into um, you know most. I, I say podcasters because I don't want to limit it to like iTunes or whatever, you know, Apple Podcasts, whatever, you know, just the generic. Uh, stick it in there, and uh, you'll pretty much find uh, all the podcasts I've been either a producer on or a guest on. Fantastic! Yeah, you can find us also on all good podcast players and providers, as well as on YouTube if you want to see what our faces look like. X if it's still around by the time you hear this, and Spotify. Our handle on all those platforms is at D E B I Radio Debbie Radio, as well as our website debbyradio.com, also spelled D E B I Radio. And you can uh, talk with us and uh, share your favorite moments of the film on our Facebook listeners group. That's Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't 